shattered dreams and broken heart are mending on the shelf. I saw you holding hands, having lunch with someone else. Now I sit all alone, wishing all my burger was gone. I give the rest to you. Nothing for me to do. But have one last fry, one last fry, before I leave it all behind. I've got to eat it all this time, this time. The plate's saying goodbye. I guess I'm down to one last fry. Hey, how we doing? <laughs> how, how we doing today? We here. We are here. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, God. Brighter day, 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 twerk Megan, brighter day, brighter day, brighter day, brighter day, brighter days, brighter days, brighter days, brighter days. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Yes. All right, welcome <laughs> to Big Boy Brunch, where topics get tasted. I I am Lorenzo, a.k.a. Lolo, a.k.a. Zoe, a.k.a. the Liberian Aquarian, a.k.a. the Queer by Bear E.N., a.k.a. Cishet Niggas Worst Nightmare, a.k.a. Dick So Bomb, North Korea Wants Smoke, a.k.a. The Reason Your Daddy Ain't Pay Your Tuition This Semester, a.k.a. The Deadbeat Cousin, a.k.a. Silent Toes Lotus Flower, a.k.a. The Ninth Digidestin, a.k.a. Faggot of the Darkness Flame. For brunch today, we got a stack of delicious cinnamon sugar pancakes. We got a spinach, tomato, and white cheddar omelet with a side of bacon, no alcohol today. I'm taking a break because we got some club soda here. We splash a cranberry. This I just had to chill with it this week. <laughs> Take it easy. But today I am here with my hostess with the most is Dre. How you doing? I'm good. I am Dre, aka Shamar Hor. And I am feeling, you know, I'm a little cloudy today. I don't know. Right. I woke up with something, but um, Hey, God is a way maker. No, let me not preach. But um, I'm okay. I'm here. Um, and yeah, we're going we gonna to do this shit. All right. Uh, let's Cause, just Because we love right. what we do. Let's go. All right. Let's jump right into it. It's time for our geek culture news segment, something I like to call Nerdy Nuggets, Love Strap Country. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. According to the Chicago Tribune, Amid accusations of plagiarism, Made by Maddie will no longer air this fall. Nickelodeon announced Friday that the animated preschool program, whose central characters bear a striking resemblance to those of Chicago native Matthew Cherry's Oscar-winning film Hair Love, has been pulled from its schedule. The 22-episode series was scheduled to debut on September 13th on the Nick Jr. channel. Uh, 
according to the production company, uh, Made by Maddie is a show we acquired uh, um, several years ago, excuse me, our Nickelodeon. Like, it's a show we acquired several years ago from Silvergate Media, a renowned production company we have previously worked with on other series, Nickelodeon said in a statement. Since announcing the show's premiere date this week, we have been listening closely to the commentary, criticism, and concern coming from both viewers and members of the creative community. In response, and out of respect to all voices in the conversation, we are removing the show from our schedule as we garner further insight into the creative journey of the show. The statement continued. We are grateful to Silvergate Media for all of their work, and we hold Matthew A. Cherry and the wonderful and inspiring hair love in the highest regard. After Nickelodeon shared the series trailer and first look images this past Tuesday that its central family and cat look quite similar to that of Matthew A. Cherry's short about a black millennial father attempting to style his young daughter's hair. Hair Love, which debuted in 2017, uh, is uh, uh, being developed into a a movie or a series, Uh, but it's it's gotten a big, um, big push, you know, from uh, you know, from the Oscars. So, um, it was very odd, um, seeing, um, you know, this story, you know, I, I saw, I saw the initial story of Made by Maddie and I, you know, and I thought, um, yeah, that's like, that's really cool. Like we're getting more, uh, representation, you know, for young black kids. But then I, I realized like it, it looks very similar to Hair Love. And like I, I was reading in the comments on on Twitter, like people like added Matthew Cherry and asked, um, "Are you in, were you involved in any of this?" And he said no. Um, and we uh, do a, a little like well, not not too much digging. Uh, people kind of brought it up very very quickly. <laughs> um, so apparently the uh, the creative like director behind um, the um, Nick Junior show is a white woman. So that that just kind of threw everybody off because it just felt like oh okay so after hair love you know um here's this other show trying to capitalize off you know of this this movement this like movement in um black animation like highlighting you know black characters in animated shows you know it just it felt a little um a, a little convenient that you know like this this show would just pop up you know, later, but, um, yeah, I guess, like, Nick's not trying to, uh, take any chances, like, in any way that this could, could have possibly been, um, like, pulled from, like, from the first animated short, they're like, nope, we're, we're not doing it, um, we're, we're, we're trying our best to, you know, be, like, pro, di- pro diversity, you know, yeah, like, not, not trying to step on any, um, black feet, so to speak, <laughs> so they just kind of yanked it, but, um, it's an interesting story, but um, what you you've you've seen this? What what did you think about it? Um, these niggas lying, Your Honor. That's pretty much all. <laughs> like, nobody like y'all lying through y'all damn teeth. Didn't know about you were in in like you didn't uh get it from no nigga. No, you saw that. You saw it being developed. You saw it being developed on Twitter through crowdfunding. You saw it go from the bottom to the top. You saw that shit get nominated for an Oscar. You said, you know what, girl? The Negroes are out here wanting representation for their hair. And Lord knows, how, who can, who, how can we get it? How can we um, do this in a way 
that will get us the most money. Oh, let's target their kids. Let's be very clear, Nickelodeon. You're fooling no one, girl. You said, oh, yeah, it's, look, look, no, absolutely not. Y'all pulled it because y'all know y'all was caught and y'all didn't want to deal with litigation. Let's just deal with that. Y'all niggas are liars. <laughs> y'all stole work from black folks. And that's uh, See, look, I'm aware that companies do not admit. They never admit when they're caught in a lie because it'll ruin their brand. That's just, companies do not admit being wrong. They settle out of court. They do this. They do it. They don't admit fault. That's not their thing. So, I, so I'm very much aware that you niggas are lying through your TV. You, for some reason, y'all thought nobody would notice. Ooh. Guess what, girl? It's over. Bye. Bye. Y'all ain't right. fool no one. Yeah. No. <laughs> look, look, look. Bullying works. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Um, uh, fans of the 619 King uh, have uh, something uh, pretty dope to look forward to. Uh, WWE wrestler Rey Mysterio will star in a new animated series about himself fighting evil for Cartoon Network Latin America, according to a report from Lucha Central. The project was an- announced at the 2020 uh, Pixel ATL Pixel Atl Festival. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> However, Lucha Central appears to have a press release about the show, complete with corporate press release quotes, which are the true universal language. Uh, and here is a statement from Cartoon Network Mexico's content director, uh, Jaime uh, Jimenez Rion. I hope I'm saying that right. He said, we are very excited to finally be able to announce this project and eager to share the result with our fans and Lucha Libre fans. Working with Rey Mysterio and Viva Calavera, it has been a pleasure, and we are sure that we have an incredible story to tell. There are many elements to highlight. Uh, Mexico as a central element when creating this project, the level of action, the characters, and the risks that we, that, excuse me, that we have taken in order to make this story resonate and connect with many fans around the world. Booyaka. Yeah, they say, say that a lot. <laughs> uh, from um, wrestler Ray Mysterio himself, he said, after 35 years of career and multiple achievements, I was still missing something. I always wanted an animated series with the character of Ray Mysterio. And when the Hermanos Calavera presented their idea to me, I was immediately captivated. Working with Crunchy Network has been incredible. I can't think of anyone better than this group to make this project a reality. Rey Mysterio will tell the story of one of the most iconic luchador, a figure admired by all and star of the ring. But he will also delve into a great secret. Unimaginable forces threaten our world, and he will be a fundamental part of that fight. When their number one fan discovers this secret, together they will immense them, excuse me, they will immerse themselves in a world where the excitement and adrenaline, excuse me, and adrenaline of wrestling coexists with mystery, mythology history, magic, and supernatural beings. The show will air all over Latin America. However, it will probably not have an English dub, which I am perfectly fine with. I'm down with subtitles because I am really excited for a show like this. Um, I grew up uh, watching um, Los Luchadores and Mucha Lucha um, on um, the Saturday Saturday morning cartoon show. So like uh, Los Luchadores was on Fox and Mucha Lucha was on Kids WB. I watched a lot more of Mucha Lucha. It was just a really right. cool, you know, show, you know, ab- ab- about um about, you know, that that whole like like wrestling culture like that um 
<clears throat> excuse me, like Mexican wrestling culture. Like ha- it had like the the mask, the suits, like the the um, so fun. the signature moves. Yeah. Like you know, they they kind of like took it like because it's a cartoon. They took it like next level. Like the main character, like Ricochet, like he he had um, signature moves where um, he would like transform into different objects. Like he had like a like spinning top. Um, he had the the pulverizing pinball where he would transform himself into a pinball. Just and his um his his two best friends, uh, the flea and Buena Girl. I think Buena Girl she could transform into like a, a pickup, like a, a a bulldozer or some shit. But you know, just really fun shit. And um, Rey Mysterio was always one of my favorite uh, wrestlers when I used to watch uh, WWE. Oh, just, absolutely. Yeah, he he was just cool, like just nimble and you know, yeah, loved it. The I whole yeah yeah. The whole, the whole storyline of his, um, his his son and Eddie. It it, it was it was it was dripping with cheese. And as <laughs> a, a thirteen year old, I ate that shit up. But yeah. you know, it was um, a very exciting time. Like the, the time that I that I was watching wrestling. And yeah, he's always been my favorites. So you know, who better than to um, lead an animated show? And like just bring it back to Mucha Lucha, like I, I really appreciated the fact that um they use darker skinned like kids. Like the kids yeah. were like they were brown and like black. Like they were darker. Like they you know, like a few lighter ones, but the main characters are not white. <laughs> like yeah. at all. Not they really made that white. clear. They made that very clear. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I hope um, I hope you know this this cartoon is the same way. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. We shall see. Um, that's why. Yeah, I'm definitely down to watch Rey Mysterio like hit the six one nine on some like demons. That would be yes. That would be dope. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving right along, uh, according to the Daily Dot, the mobile game Marvel Future Fight is attracting some criticism for its new art uh, of the X-Men hero Storm, depicting her with light skin. Uh, one person quipped that she looked like Charlie's Theron. And she was right. You know, which, you know, is, <laughs> it really isn't an ideal comparison for one of Marvel's most iconic Black characters. Like many comic book characters, Storm's appearance has changed a lot over the years. Originally introduced in 1975, she's a Kenyan woman with brown skin, white hair and blue eyes, a trait inherited from her magic-wielding ancestors. Along her sometimes husband, Black Panther, she's one of Marvel's best-known African superheroes and was portrayed by Halle Berry and Alexandra Shipp in the live-action X-Men movies. So when a new piece of Marvel art seemed to whitewash her appearance, people definitely did take notice. Marvel Future Fight has been around since 2015, and while this new illustration attracted attention, it looks like it may not be a one-off problem. This piece of 27... There's a... Like, in, in the article, they show a piece of 2017 art, which includes, like, a thumbnail of Storm, who looks just as European. Now, now we could go on about how colorism in mainstream media is a huge problem, especially with black female characters. We could talk about how it speaks to years of racial oppression. We do, you know, all, all that um, grapevine di- mm-hmm. dialogue discourse shit. But right now, I just want to talk shit about the image. Okay, so this is not Storm. This is partly cloudy. This is not Storm. This is chance of light rain. This is 
light breeze. This is 40% humidity. Like the, the skin, uh, she's giving white girl bronzer at Rehoboth Beach. The lips are giving, tell me why you're in this neighborhood before I call the cops. Like the hair is giving 80s Gandalf the white. I, I don't feel bad making fun of this picture because this is not Storm. Now, she's many things, but Storm is not one of them. So, I was so confused when I saw that picture because, like, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, so, like, niggas are clearly making fun of the fact that Charlize Theron, you know, is, like, you know, South African. And, you know, she take, you know, they're like, you know, a whole joke about her taking uh, roles from black people. Oh, so it's a joke. You saying this just now made me, re- I had no idea this was an actual image. I thought this was something that people made up on Twitter. No, girl. I am floored right now. I am floored because I said, I looked at that, I was like, oh, absolutely no way this could be it. I am <laughs> floored <laughs> hearing that that was a serious illustration. I can't even right now. I cannot even. This is crazy. This yeah. is crazy. I, yeah, I just really, really hope that. Marvel execs are paying attention because they are eventually going to have to cast Storm mm-hmm. at some point. And if they make the wrong move and cast a light skinned person, like the the internet will burn everything down. Like let's so just, I, like, just look at how people were reacting to New Mutants. Just take note. Take note. Take note. Okay, if you if you cast Storm as some light skinned person, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to flop. Y'all need to be taking notice because this shit ain't cute. It ain't cute. It ain't cute. (laughs) Stop playing. And or you know, better yet, maybe if if we if y'all hired some black illustrators, I guarantee you this would have not this would not have happened. So maybe think about that in the future. And we're moving right along. All right. According to comicbook.com, the video game Marvel's Avengers held a new war table stream um, last week where it was revealed that Kate Bishop would be joining the title from publisher Square Enix and developer Crystal Dynamics as a new post-launch hero. At the very start of the new war table stream, uh, however, the developers first acknowledged the death of Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman, um, who passed away la- last week at 43 uh, due to colon cancer. The developers requested a moment of silence from fans out of respect for Boseman and noted that they had altered what they would be showing, which seems to imply that Marvel's Avengers was all set to reveal Black Panther as a new character prior to Boseman's death. Um, I, you know, I thought that was... Um, you know that was very classy um of them um it's it's still uh something that we're dealing with yeah. uh the past the passing of uh our hero chadwick boseman so um i um you know it, it was it was good on them to hold off on the the character reveal um you know e- even though um, um they had been planning uh, or obviously, I guess now we know like they've been planning to add him. You know, um, Chadwick Boseman. You know, is still um, a main reason on why the character himself is popular. So, um, I 
you know, I like that they, they held off and, you know, we'll, we'll see it later, but, you know, just, just need to give people some, a little bit of time. Um, it, it is, um, it is important to note that Fortnite added a new, you know, Marvel, like, um, I guess like POI, or I guess like, uh, I, I don't, I don't really play Fortnite. So just like, it, like they, it, they added another addition to it uh, called Panthers Prowl. And it's more or less an alternate dimensional rift that features a Black Panther monument in honor of, um, in honor of Black Panther. But um, it was not in response to the passing of Chadwick Boseman. It was already part of a previously planned narrative for, you know, the new chapter of the season. But, um, but you know, this does show that um, Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of the character um, was, was at the foundation of the success of Black Panther. And you know, Black Black Panther was like, hey, it's like when it comes to like money and like reach, it's like like top, believe top five, like um, like of of all of all time, or or definitely top three in like Marvel history. And you know, Chadwick was at the center of that. So you know, the reason we're, like we're part of the reason we're seeing like a, a Black Panther, you know, like addition, you know, in 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 Marvel is you know in in part to you know the work that Chadwick did as Black Panther. So and I I think it's dope that we're we're seeing more um more of him in video games because you know he's it's I, I'm it's about time that we saw you know more um black superheroes in video games. Love love video games and yeah whenever I could I I play as a black superhero. So yeah I'm I'm definitely um, definitely down in seeing Black Panther in, in more stuff, but um, I'm, I'm glad they um, they held on to the reveal for later on. Yeah, out of respect. So, yeah, um, that is all we have for uh, today's nerdy nuggets. Love Strap Country. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we will be joined by my good friend and uh, fellow teammate um, Josh Street. Uh, He'll be talking to us about um, being a Black queer actor in the theater scene. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. <laughs> Wait, let me fix let my me fix hair. My hair. <laughs> uh, oh God, no! She um, when I saw her when she was in DC at the Verizon Center, and she did mm-hmm. that one, and that was so good because mm-hmm. she got off. She had like a doorway with flames, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What bitch, huh? Giving us Avatar, huh?" <laughs> Anyways, I'm saying yeah. So I'm I'm ready whenever. Yes. Now pass me my dress. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> I've been locked up in the house way too long. All of us in 2021. <laughs> I've been locked up in the house way too, too long. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are back. We are back with a very, very special guest. Um, he is a good friend of mine, a uh, fellow rugger on the Scandals football, rugby football team, excuse me. Um, but what y'all might not know is that he is also a 
an actor in the theater. Uh, Y'all give a big, big round of applause to Mr. J, Joshua Street. What's good? How y'all doing, everybody? It's me. Excellent. <laughs> Guess who? It's me. I'm back, bitch. Too much. Go ahead. Pick your brain. Too much. Pick your brain for a little bit. Whatever's left of it. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm. I'm gonna kick things off. So you studied theater and performance studies at Georgetown. So what was your experience like there? Uh, whew, how much time we got? Damn. Uh, so, I mean, it's interesting because uh, in the theater program, they, apparently it's a really good one in the country. <laughs> None of us at it. We were, I think we were like online just looking at articles and we saw like Georgetown own best theater program. We're like, really? <laughs> but because uh, again, you don't really think of Georgetown University for its theater program uh, here in the capital. But um, it was very, very research specific, actually, if that makes any sense. Like, because mm-hmm. uh, yes, of course, there'd be the performance side, but uh, and then there'd be the rehearsals where it wouldn't just be learning lines. It would be we're going to sit we're going to delve into the history, both of this play, of what these words mean, what it means to say them aloud in this specific context. What would it be like if this play was being set uh, on the other side of the world, in the middle of a war? What, what messages would come out in that, at that time? What, what, what uh, kernels of, of wisdom could we pull from it, from our staging, from our, our, the way we moved across the room, from this, that, and the other? So again, it was very, very like, uh, the stereotypical acting with the, you're a tiger now, not crawl or whatever. Okay. <laughs> but also with the very, like you'd be in the classrooms just sitting with your scripts and with your computer doing some very intense research into the background of the play just to make sure that you actually knew what the fuck you were doing on stage. Oh, pardon my language. Oh. Okay. All right, cool. No need to pardon. Um, <laughs> do you prefer Shakespearean theater or modern theater? Ooh, Shakespearean. I am a classically trained Shakespearean actor. And I, right. this past summer, I was, uh, uh, last summer, I was in both Romeo and Juliet and uh, Hamlet. Uh, and they Ooh. were both really good. Uh, nice. uh, I, I wasn't the main character, but it's fine. I, I ain't salty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, because um, uh, especially with, um, with Shakespeare, uh, everyone thinks it's some highfalutin language. Uh, and shit. and it's, it's like, it's hard to understand sometimes. It's hard to to really understand what he's saying. But once you get through it, it's all dick jokes and your mamas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so fun. Cause like you can go straight from the big flowery intense, but hark what light beyond a window breaks to uh, make in front of um, uh, Thelonious, because, what is it? The, the one that everyone uses, some are born great, some achieve greatness, somehow mm-hmm. greatness thrust upon them. That's a dick yeah. joke. <laughs> some I have thrust <laughs> upon them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Everyone and like it's it's said by like the character that everyone's making fun of all the time. So they're like, "Do you even know what you just said, man?" So it's uh, it's it's everyone thinks it's just it's it's untouchable. But really, Shakespeare would be the first one to say, "Nah, this is some shit I came up with when I was high as hell." It's great. So <laughs> that's why I love it. That's why I love it. Like modern theater is fun, but really digging into that the old school uh, Shakespeare shit is my favorite. All right, awesome, awesome. Uh, have you traveled for productions before? Oof, does Baltimore count? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, like with the production or to, uh, like, hmm. I've never actually done a traveling production. I have many friends in the theater uh, community who have been on uh, uh, some of those, uh, those um, 
the caravans that go around the country and stuff. But uh, I guess the furthest I've gone uh, to study is Ireland. I did a lot of theater stuff over there when I was wow. studying abroad. Uh, and it was it was really interesting to get in because over there we delved a lot into the background of Irish theater and okay. how it's how it's very much a lot of it is pitted against the English how it's uh like there's a lot of that history there a lot of uh, and like even with Shakespeare like so it's interesting that you say modern theater because that means anything depending on wherever you are like in America in Ireland and France and in Taiwan across the world modern theater means something different because if it's modern, it's just like we're trying to show our world right now through the stage. And what's going on in Taiwan is very different than what's going on over here in America. Yeah. So modern theater, it can, oof, it just changes uh, depending on where you are and who's in the cast and what, uh, who the director is, what, what thoughts he had that day when he had a good breakfast or whatever. Like, <laughs> okay, all right, awesome. <laughs> um... What are the differences between a traveling production versus one that plays at a home theater? Oof. Okay, so one of the I think one of the biggest things uh, is audience. Mm-hmm. So you never know what audience you're going to get into your in your uh, uh, your theater. Uh, you never know what's going to be like. It can, they can be super into it. They can be uh, old grannies in there on, on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> young people yeah. hear nothing. Um, but it's easier to, but it's, I guess it's more comfortable kind of because they're coming into your space. You're, uh, you, you are used to this area, to this yeah. theater. And so it's like, okay, I feel confident that I can put this on and push through this. Um, I think the closest I've come to like really traveling was, uh, my freshman year of college. I did a lot of children's theater and we went around to just oh. a bunch of different schools, uh, in DC, putting on, uh, this little play, was it The Princess and the Pizza? <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> yeah, exactly. A parody of the Princess and the Pea. Uh, but uh, and uh, it was just like everywhere we we didn't know what we what the stage would look like when we got there. We didn't know if it'd be in a classroom, if we'd be outside, if it would be. Oh wow! If we who these kids would be running around yelling, and would their parents be there? Would they would be able to hold them down? So it's it's there's a certain uh uh, uh improv sometimes even when uh, if you're traveling when you're like okay. We're in a different place. Got to pump myself up. I got to change all my blocking. I'm supposed to come in through a door over there. There's no door over there. So <laughs> I'm not yeah. coming in that way. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, you, it, it's very much about finding that vibe and that, that, that what, what, what's the audience giving back to me and kind of working with, with what you have, basically. All right. Awesome. Uh, what were or are some struggles you face as a Black queer actor? Don't even get me started. Oh goodness! The, uh, especially as a queer art, art, uh, artist, there was once <laughs> I was invited by an ex-professor to uh, audition for her play uh, here in DC, down in Atlas. And uh, the only note she kept giving me when I was, she's like, "Be straighter." And I'm like, oh, "Wow, wow. straighter." And I'm like, I, I, and my, <laughs> "My scene partner." He was like, I, it, "It felt plenty straight to me." And I was like, "Thank you so much," but, <laughs> but you, you ain't cast in the show. So. <laughs> but um, and it's interesting. And uh, like you said, like it's the performative of uh, masculinity. I think that's the biggest thing. That mm-hmm. definitely for queer artists, especially, it's like, oh. Uh, I thought that I was pretty straight. I was like, in my head, I was like focused off of my brother, like pulling stuff like from, I guess, perceived masculinity. Uh, and it's hard to come into a room and be like, hi, I'm Joshua Street. Uh, <laughs> I would like to perform this. And 
instantly they're like, oh, this faggot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but they want you to come in like hey how you doing my name is joshua street i am a masculine man this is what you want for the leading man this is what you want for anything like that's i it, it i can never just bring i despite theater being a very queer uh industry it, mm-hmm. it, you can never just come in with that queerness because it's very i guess uh typecasting that's what they're yeah. instantly like best friend, gay best friend, or that funny old neighbor or something, or yes, or the reverend. I was the reverend once. Many times I played the reverend. I think that one's more about black. Um, But even (laughs) as a a black artist too, um, especially going to Georgetown, uh, PWI, uh, there was, again, this this culture of, I know what a uh, leading man looks like. It's not you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And beyond even the queerness, it's like, oh, uh, I, I pictured this straw, tall, strapping white boy, uh, not this short, chubby little uh, uh, black boy over here. And I was like, I'm a better actor than him, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, at Georgetown, I, I was the lead of, um, I eventually came to head the Black Theater Ensemble. Uh, okay. Black theater um, me and you know, um, group and but even then it was always just an uphill fight against the other student groups against the department where they would say like, they'd say like oh it's bte it doesn't matter or oh no you can't have that funding because uh oh you don't put on that many plays and i'm like we want to though mm-hmm. my freshman year someone said to me bte should change its name because it's not inclusive a white man and i was like, like what this was this club was made because we couldn't get into y'all clubs like what so we came over here doing some our own shit and now you're gonna turn around and say but what about me what about us and so it always was and for me especially uh it hurt just to see other people of color very much very talented very beautiful very loving constantly overlooked again and again and again and it 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 just breaks my heart to see uh, again, I could like rattle off all these names of my classmates, beautiful actors, wonderful performers, people who pour their heart and soul into their craft, uh, then kind of get turned around and say, mm, no, you're not what we want. So it was very, it was very much about kind of having to craft uh, your own space and very much have to be like, fuck y'all, I'ma do me. And one day someone's gonna appreciate it. Because mm-hmm. at the very least, right now, I'm appreciating it, and yeah. and that's and that kind of is just like a microcosm of the the vastly wider theater world. Like you see, um, Viola Davis and them all, they like wrote down that open letter to theater, like y'all are racist as fuck. Like, and I clawed my way to the top, despite uh, this, despite all this pushback. Mm-hmm. It's not because of it didn't make me stronger. It was it was fucking hard, and I had to do it because I wanted to do the work that I love. And I'm going to keep doing it until I got mines. And you know, so it's okay. oof. Right, actually awesome. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it real quick. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. just uh this performing in the Shakespeare last year, um, colorblind casting. Uh I was Romeo's cousin, Romeo was played by a white girl, like shit like and uh, mm-hmm. I was uh I was um in Hamlet, I was Laertes, the brother of Ophelia. We always joked because uh, Laertes, Ophelia, and their father in Hamlet, they were all black, so we were like, we the Johnsons. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ophelia and Laertes Johnsons. So stupid. But like, really, like, again, and because these both of these were put in Baltimore, so they were like, hey, you're going to see black people in Baltimore. So yeah. <laughs> whether you like it or not, 
yeah, we're throwing black people into Shakespeare. Like, try us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. word, word. Um, Dre, could you um, skip to the next question? Yeah. Um, wait, which one? Um, the Chad one. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so, you know, we're all saddened by the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. How has he impacted you as a black actor? I mean, we uh, even, I think when he uh, got cast as Black Panther, there was like, really? You got to play all the Black people? <laughs> Marshall and, and James Brown and baby. Come on, baby. The rest of but no, um, I know I, I could even say it better than, uh, than it's been said by his many, many uh, co-stars, his many, many, many people who knew him and loved him. He... Oh my goodness, his smile basically is, uh, mm. it just mm-hmm. hits you, it hits you different because it's like, oof, that feels so warm. Uh, yeah. Like my favorite scene is um, him and Shuri in Black Panther when they're down in her lab and uh, just joking around as brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Like when, when he comes in, she's like, my king. He's like, stop it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the sort of thing uh, I, I would be with my siblings. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you an idiot. I love you. Now let's go look at some <laughs> stupid stuff I made you. Um, and it just like, like, even just the handshake, they like, poof, what kind of, uh, like, yeah. it just it, it, it hits different, you know, where it's like, look at me. That, that, that's me up there. I, yeah. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not uh, in shackles. I'm not uh, 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 cow toe into the, to the white people. I'm just being, and I'm full of life love and every uh every aspect of my blackness Mm -hmm. goodness like because again black panther when it came out i remember i saw it three times in theaters cried every single time because i was just like damn this is beautiful like this is just this man has come and he has worked together with a lot of people to create this beautiful world where uh our blackness isn't is celebrated it isn't a detriment yeah. it's it, it, it not even just celebrated it just is like this is it yeah it's like this mm-hmm. is the world where yeah black that's yeah it's like who needs yeah. a black history month every month is history month it's just <laughs> for real for real and so to to kind of look at a world where it's like oh i think the reason i would really really was crying especially was i was like wow this is uh a promise of a world that could have been, and it kind of, I think Killmonger kind of said it the best, where he was like, "This," where he's just like, "This is the world I should have had. This is the life I should have lived, and it was stolen from me. It was taken from me. It was um, the beauty of this possibility was taken from me." And to really see Chadwick kind of like work very close with Ryan Coogler and uh, the entire cast to build such a, and oof, winning all them Oscars for costuming, for uh, sound direct, like all that stuff to build a world that while a fantasy feels so very real and so very yeah. tangible. So I, again, I, I think I posted on Facebook that I don't post a lot about celebrity deaths, but Chadwick was one of the ones that I was like, this man has been in this game and he's been like, hey, hey, no. Black is beautiful, baby, and it's yeah. always it's always felt it's and it's always felt so genuine. It's always felt so so like dang, yeah, right. mm-hmm. kind of so yeah. The, this one, this one, we again like we said it, we said it a thousand times. We lost the king, and uh, hey, yeah, all right, yeah, respect, respect. Um, so this next question is you know for me, um, <laughs> yeah, um, l- listeners, I met Josh, um, you know, on the scandals. Um, Scandals is a uh, Washington 
DC rugby team. Um, yeah, um, I, I met uh, this this character. Um, <laughs> uh, just you know, like very 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 um, you know very fresh, very blue, not knowing what the hell I was doing, and you know, <laughs> you know, Josh was just you know flying across the field, you know. Joking around, being loud as fuck. So, like, I, I want to know when, when you, um, like, how you found the scandals, and you know, and why, and why you're still, why you're still a teammate today. Uh, years ago, I had just graduated college. Uh, I was working at the same job I'm at now. Uh, five, about five years, four or five years ago, I guess. Um, and I was like, kind of going from work to home, work to home, maybe the gym sometimes. Uh, and I was like, dang, uh, I'm not really feeling myself right now. So I was like, let me try something new. I was at Pride and ran into uh, Alejandro. You remember Alejandro? Oh, yes, I do. Bitch hasn't been around for a while, but love her. Ran to him. Like, he, like, he was with the scandals. Like, he's like, do you want to play rugby? And I'm like, this seems stupid. I'll try. <laughs> um, so, so like, again, like, I, I hadn't really been working out a lot. I was like bored. I was like, I need some friends. So I go to their conditionings and I'm like running and I'm like, oh, my back. <laughs> and then we had the first official practice. And I remember seeing Rashad hit a guy. Rashad. That, that guy get lifted off the ground and fly backwards like 10 feet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> he, that guy did not come back to the team <laughs> but, um, but it was a, but it, again it was that that same thing of like I, I see Rashad hit a guy really hard but then he'll come off the field and be like oh I'm a third grade teacher don't talk to me uh, I'm a bitch I'm like yes you are a bitch he's like I like you let's go so, <laughs> for all all uh scariness that it might have seemed all that uh, violence is really kept on the field for the most part. And then the second you're off the field, it's kind of like, let's go have a beer. Let's go shut up. My feet hurt. Let's go sit down for a second. Let's go <laughs> eat something good. So it it was a lot of the brotherhood that I knew I was missing in my life. Just, the, just people around me who I know, like, we're doing something fun together and we're going to spend some time together. And like, we're going to hit some people together. Like, who gives a shit? Like, so it really, um, it was amazing because it was um, just as a young boy looking for a young black gay boy looking for a place in this world, I found a place where I could unapologetically kind of be myself uh, and very much so uh, just be like, hey guys, I'm here to have fun. I'm here to have a good time and I'm going to be me. And they're going to be like, you annoying as fuck, but stick around, baby. <laughs> kind of, so. Mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's been a place, it's been a, it's been a, a place that I can, I guess, unapologetically grow and really learn who I am in these past mm-hmm. few years. All right. Love it. Yeah. Same, same. I, I, I second all of that. <laughs> Word to your iconic laugh. <laughs> uh Oh, <laughs> like a witch cackling in the dark of night. Oh yeah, it was so high pitched. I don't think the mic picked it up. <laughs> My roommate's dog, like, like looks like went crazy. Like what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Um. So you know, as you know, we are a brunch podcast. Um. So, what are some of your favorite brunch brunch foods? Oof, don't even get me started. Oh, cinnamon, get cinnamon started. rolls. Oof, always good. So, um, I'm I'm probably just going. Oh, when was the last time I went to brunch? Oof, oh, I know the last one I remember is last December, my sister's birthday. We went to must have been Matchbox, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And they do a bottomless brunch, 
that I was like, oof. Ooh. And it's, it was funny, we were joking with them, um, because it was like me, my, my sister, my brother, um, her boyfriend, and then uh, like three of her friends, two of whom I knew, and then one white girl who I didn't know. And I already knew like, oh, is she okay? Because we, 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 we go places when we have mimosas. <laughs> but, uh, but we just, we like, we start talking off about politics and then as the mimosas come, it just gets louder and louder. And I'm just like, will she be able to handle? Um, but uh, no, it was great. She had her own bottle. I was like, go ahead, girl. Um, but uh, let's see, I said cinnamon rolls. Oh, I did love the pizza there, but I just love them. Um, Oof, I love uh, 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 El Centro Mexican food. Oh, that brunch mm. goes, goes in hard. Oof. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, make sure you ain't bottoming after, but like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Teddy and the Bully Bar. My brother took me there once for my birthday and uh, <laughs> got me so turned. And then he was like, let's go shopping. And he pretty womaned me. And then, like, I went home and said, <laughs> I think I woke up, I had a hat. I was like, I'm hats. Why the fuck did I buy a hat? <laughs> uh, oof, oof, now I'm thinking, what else do I like to eat? Ooh, there's this little El, um, I'm just getting into food now. This is nah, little, keep going, keep going. Absolutely. There's this little El, El Salvadoran place like right around the corner from my place that does amazing. Um, oof, oof, uh, 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 oof, enchiladas. Oh, goodness, oof, mm. now I'm wanting some of that, damn. Um, <laughs> Oh, I could go all day. Like, I just love a, a good mimosa, a place to sit, and some carbs in my body. That's my good Carbs. Uh, yeah, delicious. Oh, oh, yeah. What I do love is uh, El Centro's churros at the end with the, mm. the chocolate dipping sauce. Oof. Mm. So good. Every, every yeah. time. Damn. Yeah. This pandemic needs <laughs> yeah. to end. Like, Remember Drag Brunch? Remember the, the Drag Brunch we, uh, we had? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That oh was crazy. God. Oh my God. Do I remember it? Damn. <laughs> Yeah. For Brand- for for Brandon, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, they just kept I'll, I'll, I'll talk Korea. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I showed up late. Uh, yeah, yeah, black. Yeah, <laughs> black and late. Um, black and late. Because <laughs> uh, it was um drag queen Vigenesis. Uh, okay, this is the drag queen who ran runs that, and it's so funny because um she was doing a uh a a a, a, a drag show at um at a brewery in Silver Spring, Gayon, great. And then, and I was there, loved it. They, it was like, I think it, the theme was Vanessa Hudgens sneaker night. Basically what we're gonna do is <laughs> And it was crazy, it was great, had a great time. That weekend, I go to an audition, this was like a couple years ago, I go to an audition for a Shakespeare thing. Uh, and this, like, this tall black guy comes up to me and is like, hey Josh, and I'm like, have we met? It's like, it's me, the Genesis. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even recognize you out of drag. Like she's the bearded queen, but still I didn't, I was like, without the hair and everything, I I missed it. But no, the Genesis is great. Uh, His name is Anthony, uh, great guy. And like, see, look at that, another performing. Like he's like, I'm going to do my drag, but I will also be at these Shakespeare auditions doing my damn uh, classical shit too. And I was like, go ahead, baby, go ahead. Okay. Sure. Awesome. Um, Josh, we got one more question before we um, you know, let you go and, and enjoy uh, the rest of Beyonce's birthday weekend. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. All power to her name. Fun fact, I scored my first try on Beyonce's birthday. Holy. Yeah. Holy day. Four out. years ago. Four years. I cried. I cried. <laughs> I was like, this was for you, because <laughs> you, you, you put you put the work in, you know, like Beyonce, and what she, you know what she what she say? What did she say? What goes around comes back around. Hey, my birthday! Jesus, I can't. 
Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's Beyonce or if it was that shot I just took. But <laughs> it's so funny. Like whenever, um, like whenever me and Josh are like at at uproar together, like the, the or even when we're online at, at a Zoom Zoom event with our team, like the first thing we'll do is just like like Beyonce references for like five whole minutes. It's like not? it's how That's we warm up. Girl. It's how we warm up. Thirty nine has never looked so good. Come on, okay. say tell me, tell me. And three children later. Three. And putting up with Jay-Z's trifling ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, iconic. Iconic. Icon- All right, you had a question. I forgot. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. What are some words of wisdom you'd say to a young Black queer actor who wants to do theater? Do it. Uh, don't, I mean, I could talk all day about kind of the... Um, the uh, 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 challenges that uh, a black actor, a young black actor, would have to face because it's it's the same as in the rest of the world. You got to work twice as hard to get half as far. Um, but do it. Um, I remember I had many people, uh, oh, so many people, just like, oh, you're not doing it, or like, I'm not getting cast in this role, or I'm not doing this side or the other. And it's so easy to get very bogged down. But if you learn anything from Chadwick, from Viola Davis, from any of these big names, black names out there, it's that we need this representation. Like, it's like, um, if you look at the world right now with everybody at home on their Netflix, uh, on their Hulu, on their Disney Plus, now more than ever, art and creating that art is so important. And I mean, black people, there was, there's that, I think the t-shirt that's like black people are in the future. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're there. Like, it doesn't matter how how much we get uh, pushed down, pushed back, we push forward and we're going to be there. So uh, to that young black kid, like, do it because we need you. Not just, not, not, it's, uh, we need more people, more people of color who are just so passionate about their art, about their trade about their craft that they're like whatever comes i know this is what i need to do this is where my heart is this is where um my soul rests and and oh there are days where you're like am i any good at this am i even will i ever make it and you look at um even coming out of college i went and got a job while some of my classmates my white classmates who might have had a better support system were able to kind of move to new york move to california go to grad school and get further ahead in, in, in the trade than I could, could, but, and even when I said time to give this up and go get a, go get a job, I couldn't, I couldn't, I turned right back around and was like, I've been pulled back. I've been pulled back to what refreshes me, to what soothes my soul, to what soothes an audience's soul. Like I, at, at one of my Shakespeare performances, I had these two little kids who came up to me and like, can we have your autograph? And I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Like even just for that, I was like, that that just made this my entire decade, basically. <laughs> just that some some little kid was like, I see what you're doing and I kinda wanna do it too. And I was just like, dang, that's it it, it, it again, it refreshes the soul and it brings you back to how much it's worth it, you know, even through those sleepless nights of learning lines, through a director yelling at you for messing mm-hmm. up again for what for not knowing how your bill's going to be paid sometimes if Mm -hmm. if they're going to pay you at all it's so worth it just to tell your story because even whatever character role i'm in uh 
parts of me are gonna seep through. And so it's obviously like, this is your story, young little black boy, this is your story, tell it. And tell it in the way that you, that no one else can, <laughs> no one but you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, that was rambling, but like, it's, nah. I'm, I'm so passionate about theater. <laughs> so and, we can tell. <laughs> and I, and I, I love seeing that passion in other people too. It's, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Mm. Awesome. Uh, Mr. J, uh, Josh Street, thank you so much for stopping by yes. and brunching with us. Uh, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Joshua T Street. Um, I'm on Twitter at Joshua Street One. I'm on Insta at J underscore Streezy, J underscore S T R E E Z Y. Um, yeah, find me. Uh, if you have any questions about anything, just hit me up because I, I again, I will never stop talking about theater. Okay, all right, <laughs> uh, we love uh, it. We love I love it. it. Awesome. Thank you so much. We are going to take a quick break to pay some bills, quote unquote. Yes. <laughs> There's too many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the bills are too damn high. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my automobile? Can you pay my internet bill? Because it is actually due now. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! We will be right back. You bring it back. Couldn't do it. You bring it back. You couldn't do it. You bring it back. You couldn't do it. You bring it back. Couldn't do it. Uh, you could never ever bring me down. Couldn't do it then. Couldn't do it now. You could take my style, try to take my sound. Uh, but you could never ever bring me down. Uh, you could never ever bring me down. Couldn't do it then, couldn't do it now. All right, we are back. And it is time to scrape the plate. I am going to let Dre go first. What you got for us? Um, So I'm going to be talking about, um, I'm going to make this brief because like talking about this is a headache, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about Jessica Krug, Krug, how do you pronounce this woman's name? Um, Jessica Krug is a... A woman who um, who teach. Okay, how do I even start this off? So Jessica Krug is a. Let's just call her what she is. She is a white woman, another white woman, who recently got outed. Well, what she technically did was outed herself because people were gonna out her. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she outed herself as being a white woman when she has been portraying herself as a black woman for I don't even know how long. She is a professor or she was a professor at this point. Maybe was because like she was a professor at George Washington University. Um, George Washington University uh, allegedly called for her resignation, which I'm like, what? They didn't actually just terminate her. They asked her to resign. I'm like, wow asking a white woman to resign after this amazing anyway so she wrote um on medium which i didn't read because i was like girl i i refuse i just saw some excerpts um basically saying that you know she has been lying her whole academic career um she is in fact a white woman 
Um, she like, what does she teach? Like black studies or some shit anyway. But I, when I saw this, when I, when I heard about the story, I was like, wait again. Okay. Let me, as I said, let me go ahead and investigate this. Um, so I went and I looked her up and I saw a picture of her and I was like, um, I don't see whatever i don't see it but eh, whatever i don't eh, let me investigate some more right so then i went and i listened to her speaking like on some type of virtual town hall and i said absolutely the fuck not absolutely not um y'all have lost your mind because first of all i looked at her i was like this does not look like a black woman at all whatever let me go ahead. So I listened to her and I was like, this fake ass Bronx accent had y'all fooled? Like, y'all were fooled by this fake ass Bronx accent that this woman was putting on. Deception. <laughs> Disgrace. <laughs> oh, you can tell by the look on her face. Deception. Disgrace. <laughs> And so I went through all of that and it really pissed me off because I was like, yo, how did this happen again? And um, so after she got exposed, people were, people were saying, oh, there's a lot more white people, specifically white women, portraying themselves as black in academia. We just don't know about them because they haven't been outed yet. I was like, I believe it because white women been tripping for a long time. But here's my issue, my biggest issue. Um, what I noticed, because the people who came out and said that they were in community with her um, were people who I have seen as like preeminent um, overseers or like experts or like the go-tos for black uh blackness black issues black topics etc these are the people who were fooled by this white woman portraying herself as black now what i said was i was like it's so wild to me that people who are like experts in blackness and you know black issues are able to get fooled so easily because like and what i honestly thought because i tweeted this i was like between rachel dolezal and now this woman it's clear that a lot of these people who are like experts and i'm using that in quotes uh air quotes experts on blackness have never met a black person before college because ain't no damn way you can tell me that these two white women fooled actual niggas. Like, there is no way. And, like, I was, like, battling with myself internally with that. But I was like, absolutely the fuck not. How are y'all being fooled so easily by white women putting on bronzer and telling you that they're black? How is this happening? And I'm very aware of like phenotypes and like white passing, et cetera, whatever. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the fact that these are actual white women 
fooling you by putting on um, bronzer and a shake and go wig. How is this happening? And I'm really, and, and it, it really made me like sit back and say, yo, there are so many people who are like in academia who, who are claiming black as fuck and all that shit, you know, but like people, other, like people who are not as privileged, people who grew up poor, people who never had access to, I'm talking about black people who never had access to like uh, college and like education on like black studies are really looked down upon when like we are the 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 curators in in like the 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 cultural essence of blackness like for like niggas who 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 don't have like the access to like academic language who are quote unquote ghetto you know what i mean like these type of black folks that like a lot of people um a lot of quote unquote educated black folks um would claim as like ghetto or beneath them. You cannot fool niggas like this. And it really makes me sad that like there are folks who who um who really are using like blackness as like um like a money making thing and like they really aren't really fucking with black folks like that when like black folks in the hood and poor black folks and like you know queer and trans black folks who don't have access to this type of stuff that they do are like forgotten and left behind and not seen as like as black or like experts in blackness is like the uh, as those people are this is really what's been pissing me off the most about it um like i'm really at the point where i'm like nigga gatekeep blackness gatekeep blackness stop letting these white people insert themselves so easily into blackness like we want to invite every i said this one was going to be short but i didn't know but we wanted to invite everybody (laughs) so easily how long have we been inviting white folks to the cookout just because they say black lives matter bitch like this is how we get it like you I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Quote anyway. Deborah Cox. <laughs> like I personally know of like I don't I personally know of black folks who are like, you know, in academia who like, you know, will claim hood quote unquote hood blackness, but will never step their foot in the hood because they never been there. They are afraid and they would get beat the fuck up rightfully because you niggas don't fuck with hood black folks anyway fuck white women being fucking stupid like this is just like this pissed me off so bad because like even some of the people who i looked at as like um inspirations as far as like black black issues and black topics were fooled by this woman. I was like, you know what? Whew, this is wild. Anyway, that's all I got. Oops, gagged and bamboozled. Like for real. And I and it really made me like want to settle back into like this whole thing of like you don't need to be formally educated to be an expert on your own culture. Fuck that. Fuck that. All right. Thank you. 
very much, Dre. For that, um, we are going to move right along um, to my thing. Um, and it's kind of a... Um, we're we're gonna um we're gonna congratulate Tyler Perry. <laughs> Perfect. So, according to CBS News, Tyler Perry is Hollywood's newest billion billionaire, according to Forbes. The magazine announced on Tuesday that the popular filmmaker has joined the elite club after estimating his net worth at one billion dollars. Best known for his Medea movies, Perry's journey from poverty to billionaire status has been driven by his ambition to own everything he does. I love when people say you come from humble beginnings, the 51-year-old entertainer told Forbes. It means you were poor as hell. Ownership, he said, changes everything. From his 22 feature films and two dozen stage plays to over... 1,200 television episodes, Perry owns everything he creates. The Atlanta-based creative also owns a 330-acre studio in the city. Forbes' breakdown of the star's billion-dollar fortune includes the $300 million in cash and investments and a $60 million stake in BET+. Forbes says Perry's homes in Atlanta, New York, Los Angeles, in Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, and other assets are valued at forty million. The magazine attributes three. Okay, all right, it's just it's money stuff. I'm like, just, all right. <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, it is impossible to deny the work ethic the grind, the determination that this man has. Like, Tyler Perry has built a, an entire empire on um, telling uh, Black stories. And, you know, his, um, his like, meteoric, like, rise, like, to fame, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it is something to respect. Um, yeah, I, I, I do, um, you know, I, I, I do acknowledge um you know, this man's, like, hustle, this man's drive, and, you know, he does deserve to be successful. Mm-hmm. However, um, I give pause um, when, uh, you know, anyone, you know, kind of goes out of their way to congratulate Tyler Perry, because for years now, uh, we've we've seen or I'm like, you know, a lot of black people have seen that a lot of Tyler Perry's or most of Tyler Perry's um, stories, they uh, portray a type of blackness that is, you know, very stereotypical, very conservative. Um, and it, I, I wouldn't even say um, that it, it attacks a certain like, demographic of the black community like yeah I, I could sit up in here and say that you know tyler perry like like negative negatively you know stereotypes queer people which, which he does but like he he gives like really bad stereotypes like across the board it's not it's not just black gay people it's 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 black women it's mm-hmm. black men it's older black women like everyone 
gets a stereotype. It's very he's like he's like the Oprah of like stereotyping black people. It's like you get a stereotype and you get a stereotype and you get a stereotype. It's it's just very very um like cookie cutter blackness, which is probably why he's so popular is because like he can reach like the most middle America black person like out in the boonies like that like he's reaching that person like and they're and we're everywhere so like that that is what has allowed his um you know his his star to rise um but you know circling back to the queer representation um you know I you know personally as I've um come into into uh, sync with my personal orientation like I feel like you know Tyler Perry does not do anything <laughs> well with the exception of you know creating um he's created a safe haven for you know queer uh for you know queer people like at, at his studios which mm-hmm. you know w- which is very important but um what he's putting out when it comes to queer representation um, I feel, you know, misses the mark I, almost pretty much all the time. Uh, I'm going to read a little excerpt uh, from writer uh, Garen Keith Gaynor. Mm-mm. So, Tyler Perry is writing high off of the success of his latest hit TV series, The Haves and Have Nots. The soap opera has been a home run with Perry's core audience, netting a total of 2 million viewers to become Owen's highest rated show to date. Sticking to his usual formula of mass stereotyping, Perry covers all his bases. Bougie black folk? Check. Hardworking southern church women? Check. Privileged whites? You got it. There's even a Hispanic maid. But this time, there's one group Perry threw into the mix that I never thought he'd give the time of day to. Gay men. Aside from long-standing rumors about Perry's own sexual preference, it's surprising that he would address homosexuality at all, considering his fan base is predominantly black Christian women. In Haves and Have Nots, Perry doesn't just address it, he goes there. His character, Jeffrey, is a gay black man who comes from a very wealthy family and is also trapped in the closet, R. Kelly style. While being in the closet is a very real experience for many same gender loving people, particularly black men, it didn't quite sit well with me upon watching the show. Uh, because I suspected Perry would more than likely take the opportunity to do what he does best, trench his character in so many stereotypes that it would turn into a television hate fest. And it did. Despite being an educated 20-something psychologist who comes from privilege and class, Jeffrey is, at the very core, a self-loathing homosexual who lusts after his friend and client, Wyatt. Rather than doing what he's hired to do, which is counsel Wyatt through his rehabilitation, Jeffrey begins to develop a rather creepy obsession with Wyatt. First, it starts with the biting of the lips behind Wyatt's back. Next, he's inappropriately touching Wyatt and giving him a friendship bracelet. In one scene, um, Jeffrey sneaks into Wyatt's bed while he's sleeping, stares at him for a few seconds, then crawls out and goes back to sleep on the couch. Ooh. For one, like, Tyler writes this Jeffrey character as if he's some sexual demon just waiting for the right opportunity to take out his burning desires on this young, attractive, and presumably straight white man. Not only does Tyler perpetuate the misguided idea that gay and bi men are hypersexual, but he foolishly insinuates that if you're gay and in the closet, it, you're some type of savage or threat to one's heterosexuality. Yeah. Um, 
many gay black men are still emasculated and or excuse me, many gay black men are still emasculated and humiliated, excuse me, humiliated by society's homophobia and hypermasculinity. And by simply reiterating these experiences without any substantial solution or takeaways, Perry's only adding fuel to the fire. And, you know, that, that was pretty spot on because you know, as we know, uh, or, or as, as he revealed earlier this year, um, nobody writes any of his work. Tyler Perry, like, writes his scripts fully for like every single one of his projects. Like he posted mm-hmm. earlier this year, like just like the tables, the table filled with stacks of scripts that he's all written. And the problem with that is that you are only writing from your perspective. The assumed perspective is a cishet black man. Like you're not, um, you're not getting the um, lived experiences of black women um, black queer men, um, black trans people—you know—you're you're just um, pulling from your own um, approximation of what these people are, excuse me, or of who these people are. So that's why you get these half-baked portrayals of various um, walks of black life. So while um, I guess I guess it's a win. Um, you know, because he, he does hire black people. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I, I guess it's kind of a win that he's successful, but also not, but not really. One, because of um, the characters he, he portrays on television. And, you know, and two, he's been known to be against um, workers unions. So, you know, it just... Which it, is why it, he's probably a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you know, just just wanted to bring bring that up, um, and kind of yeah, just just to just to give my my two cents to, to the whole thing because it's it's just like um, I'm I'm rooting for black queer creators out out here um, who who are you know doing really really good work, and um, you know I I can't wait to see all of the positive black queer representation. Um, that is coming in the future um, because we deserve a lot more than um, Tyler Perry. And we, we deserve, we deserve more um, storylines than like DL husbands, like catching AIDS and dying and shit. Like, yeah, we deserve a lot more than that. And um, that's about it. Um, you guys, that's about it for t- today's uh, episode of Big Boy Brunch. Um, thank you very much to Mr. J for stopping by. Um, Dre, where can they find you? Um, I will be on Twitter, acting the fool, at Exhibit Dre. And on Instagram, every blue moon, at Exhibit underscore Dre. All right. And you can find me on Instagram at LO underscore four. You can find me on Twitter at the Joan and Jonine. That's at T-H-E-J-O-A-N-I-N-J-O-N-I-N. Please follow Big Boy Brunch on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Um, drop us a review, a rating. Hit us with that five star. Because um, we a five little mama they are three star (laughs) 
Harajuku Hyphen Barbie. Okay. What a time. <laughs> I'm hot. I think it's time to put the rice in. <laughs> I was in the chair. I was gluing my weaving. When you hit the stage, they was gluing the weaving. <laughs> Uh, classic. We are all sleeper cell barbs. If you're yeah. not one, you're lying. You really are. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Uh, another week. We will see y'all on Friday. Check, please. <laughs>